Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Journey of Faith. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. I want to say hi to everybody at our Torrance campus right now. And if you weren't able to make it to one of our campuses in person this weekend and you're watching us online, great that you can join us. If you're new with us here, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you with us. Before I get into the message, just want to share with you something that's happening with me this summer. We have a great summer planned for what we're doing here at the church. And, and, but this summer, I'm taking a, a two-month sabbatical. So I'm leaving this week. Uh, I'll be back at the end of August. I'm going to do some traveling, meet with some of our missionaries, do a little writing, and get some family time, be able to have some, some weekends, actually, with my family, which would be really nice. Um, and just a time to recoup and refresh, get rested up, uh, we've been working with the team here at the church for some great things we have happening in the fall, and I can't wait to get back to that uh, with, with all of my energy and all of my passion so we can uh, start the fall season and go into the winter in such a great way. So if you'd be praying for me that I'd be able to kind of disconnect in my mind from work and, and to my family and rest, that would be great. And for traveling mercy, that'd be wonderful. So thanks for the opportunity to do that. And I'll look forward to seeing you uh, at the end of summer as we uh, move into that season. Today, I want to share a message with you in this series that we're doing called Lenses. For those of you that are new with us, this is a series that's based on the analogy that lenses in the physical world help us see the world in different ways. So microscopes and telescopes and kaleidoscopes, even our glasses and contact lenses, help us see things more clearly and at times help us see them differently. Well, what lenses do in the physical world, genres do in the literary world. And as the the greatest piece of literature, the Bible, the Bible is one story that is told through the lenses of different Genres, And the more we can understand how genres work, the clearer we can see God, the better we can understand each other. And at times, understanding genres helps us understand some of what might look like contradictions or, or difficulties in the Bible. It can sometimes be resolved by just asking, what genre am I reading right now? So these are the six basic genres that we're covering in this series, we covered these first three in the first three weeks, and each week we talk about this genre, Gospels, which is a very specific genre to the Bible, and it's about seeing everything through the lens of the teachings and life of Jesus. If you missed any of these messages, you can check them out online. We have them for you. This week, we're talking about this genre, prophecy. Now, when I think of Bible prophecy, I, what comes to my mind, the first thing is probably what comes to your mind also, and that's uh, the Simpsons TV show. And that's because the Simpsons have accurately predicted the future so many times. Now, can you believe that the Simpsons have been on TV for 33 years? 33 years. And over the course of that time, they, uh, I just read an article from The Hollywood Reporter of the times they have accurately predicted the future. Here's a list of some of them, for example. The covering up of Michelangelo's David, that just happened recently. They did that in season two. Siegfried and Roy Tiger Attack, the invention of smartwatches, Disney buying 20th Century Fox, 
That was in season 10. Uh, the Donald Trump presidency was a whole storyline in The Simpsons a long time ago. NSA spying sandal. The U.S. wins Olympic gold in curling. They actually predicted that back in season 21. Uh, Richard Branson going to outer space. All these things. I mean, uh, all these predictions. Now, I don't think they have supernatural insight. I don't think they have some kind of vision in the future. I mean, they have writers on the show that are just really good students of culture. And over 33 years, you're going to get something right, right? So they have a, a good track record for that. But it sure makes for great clickbait, right? I mean, we go on the internet, and, and there's something about saying, here's a prophecy. Here's something that's going, here's something foretold a long time ago, and now it's coming true. Whether it's Nostradamus or a Mayan calendar or whatever the latest article is that there's some kind of cheat codes hidden in the Bible. There's something that draws us in. I think this is because as human beings, we do believe that there is truth out there and that the truth may be kind of even be hidden behind some kind of veil. And if we could just pull back that veil, we would, we would have some powerful supernatural insight into the present or in the future. I also think as human beings, there's something about us that we are um, apocalyptic people. I, I think us human beings, we know that the world is moving towards some type of dramatic conclusion, even if it's only our lives are moving that way. And so we're always kind of looking for that. That is, in a way, what the Bible genre of prophecy is talking about. And, and, and when I say prophecy, here's what I mean when we're talking about books of the Bible. Prophecy refers to the books of the Bible that record messengers from God who speak truth to the people of their time. So when you're going through the Bible, there are books of the Bible that are specifically about messages from God for those people. And here's where you can find them. We use this bookcase in the messages in this series, Old Testament, New Testament. In this part, kind of toward the end of the Old Testament, you have all these books of the Bible, and there's, there's larger ones that are named after these influential charismatic messengers, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. These are called the major prophets, not because they're more important, but because the, the messages they had were were longer, and so those books of the Bible are longer. And then the rest of the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures is what's called the minor prophets. Again, not because they're inferior, because they're shorter, and they're also named after these messengers who had a message. Sometimes these are contemporaries. They're not necessarily in chronological order. Um, Isaiah is a contemporary with two or three of these, and they're kind of speaking about similar events that were happening in the day. They're just talking from different perspectives. Some of them are mixed genres, like Daniel has a lot of prophetic messages, but it also tells a lot of history. So it talks about Daniel's life, and so it's a little narrative related. And then there's one prophecy book in the New Testament. It's called the book of Revelation. Now, it's important to notice it's not plural. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. In the beginning of the book, it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that word revelation means unveiling. It's like, oh, we're going to pull back the curtain. I'm going to show you who Jesus is and what Jesus is 
is all about. And uh, that's also a mixed genre because it's, it's technically a letter written to people living in the first century, and we'll talk about that genre next week. But when we read these books of prophecy, what we're really getting at is a picture of how God sees the world, how God wants the world, and where God wants the world moving. And that's our main idea for today. Through the lens of biblical prophecy, we can see God's vision for the world. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three main messages that you will get when you're reading any book of biblical prophecy. When you're going through the Bible and you're reading, you run across the genre of prophecy, these are the three main messages that are going to come up over and over and over again. It's going to help you make sense of it so you don't get buried in all the details. Here's the first message you're going to get when you read biblical prophecy. Remember what God has said and done. A lot of times when people think about prophecy, they think about, oh, what's coming in the future? What's some new thing I'm going to hear? But the majority of the messages from the prophets were not foretelling. They were forthtelling. They weren't saying, guess what? Here's what's coming. Most of the time, the prophets are saying, I want to remind you of what God has already said. I want to remind you of what God has already done. Look at some examples. Here's the prophet Malachi. He says, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. All the decrees and regulations I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Israel's like, God, would you give us a word? Malachi goes, "Mm, God already gave you a word. You gave it on Mount Sinai and you just need to do that. Here's another one from the book of Isaiah. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. You ever have those times where you go, God, I just want to know that you're real. The prophet would be like, why don't you go back and read the Bible, and you'll see that I was real because I've already done all these things. There were people in, in, in the Bible that were like, God, tell us what you want from me. What God, what is good? What's the right way to live? The prophet Micah spoke up and he said, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Sounds like a parent. You know, you, you know like kids are like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? I already told you what to do. I already, I already said it. Go clean your room. Oh, I just, we want to go. Is there anything I need to do before I go? Yeah, you can go clean your room. That's what I just told you to do. So the prophets were always reminding people of what God has already done. That's important for us because like I said, sometimes we're like, God, I just, I just want a word from you. God, I just want some fresh, new, give, give me some new direction. God's like, I've given you a lot of direction. In fact, a lot of the things you're not even doing You know, the things that I told you to do, you're not doing. So the prophets were always kind of directing people back. Now you might say, well, what, can we, let's look at Jesus, because Jesus did this a lot too. Uh, I mentioned earlier, the Gospels are these four books of the New Testament that summarize Jesus' life and teachings. Jesus was often telling people, hey, what did God say? Hey, what does it say in the Bible? Hey, what does it say in the Old Testament? Hey, what has God already revealed? A lot of his teaching was prophetic teaching, 
pointing back to remind people of what God said. And even when he taught forward, it was interesting because a lot of it was teaching people to remember. In fact, Jesus said, one of these days, I'm going to leave, and when I physically leave the world, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is, according to Jesus? He said, when I send the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I've told you. So you're like, Holy Spirit, just teach me something. Holy Spirit is like, great, go back and read what Jesus said. So that just raises the bar for us if we want direction from God, we need to be familiar with what God has already said and done. Here's an action step for you. Read the Bible as a way to remember what God has already said and done. I was watching a TikTok the other day, and it was Trevor Noah, and he's a comedian and the the host, former host of The Daily Show, and he was talking about how his mom reads the Bible every day and sends him messages, texts him messages of, here's the Bible verse, and here's how it applies to my life. And he was talking about how amazing he was. He says she keeps reading this same book over and over and over again. It's always fresh for her. She's always getting direction and guidance in her life, and then she's passing it on to me. I think that is what God is wanting us to do. If you don't have a normal, regular habit of Bible reading, I want to invite you to experiment with that. You can do it in a lot of different ways. For one year, I did an audio Bible. So it was while I drove to work, it was 10 minutes a day, and it was somebody reading the Bible to me. And in one year, I got through the entire Bible. And I remember as I was driving, there were things, I was like, boy, I never remember reading that. Or wow, that really is a, I, I need to think about that. I need to look that up. I need to ask about that. Or when you hear the Bible read to you, because the Bible was originally written as an oral product. It was supposed to be read out loud. When you hear it read, sometimes it pops, it comes to life. And you start making connections. Oh, I just heard this the other day. And, and now I'm hearing this. Oh, I see how they're relating to each other. Maybe you can just read whole books of the Bible. Instead of just doing a little segment, just sit down and take a whole book of the Bible and read it all the way through. We'll talk about that next week, especially when we talk about letters. That's how letters are intended to be read, all the way through. Maybe if you do have a habit of Bible reading, you can invite somebody into it. Maybe you could text them. Hey, could I text you some things that I'm reading? They might be like, yeah, I've never learned that before. I need to get back into that. Maybe you could say, hey, would you be willing to read a little section of the Bible every day with me? And then we could get together and talk about what stands out to you. Even here at church, there's times where we'll read a section of something and then we'll say, hey, would you go read this during the week? Are you doing that? We have small group material that actually has daily readings for the entire week. There's so many different ways to do it. But if we're wanting to live that full and spiritual life, God's like, I want to help you with you. I want to help you with that. Why don't you read about the stuff I've already said and I've already done? So when you're reading through a prophetic book in the Bible, one of the themes is remember. Here's the second theme. Repent. Repent of your sins. Sin is anything in your life that disconnects you from God 
disconnects you from other people and at times disconnects you from your own soul. That's what sin refers to. Repentance is to turn around. A lot of the books of prophecy throughout the Bible record the stories of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And in their history, they had a tendency to say, God, lead us. And then God would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. And they would do it for a little while. And then they would stop doing it. And they'd start going the other direction and do the opposite things. And then God would send in a prophet to say, hey, remember what God said to do? You need to turn around and start doing that thing. Remembering is when we realize what God wants from us. Repenting is when we actually change our life and do something different. And that word repent in English is actually just trying to get at a, uh, a Hebrew word, this word, teshuvah, which means return. It actually means turn around, start doing the right thing. And when you read the prophets, they're really only addressing three main areas. This is the first one, idolatry. This is when the Israelites would put something in front of God, when something was more important than God. Also, immorality. Immorality was when they started living out their sexuality in a way that God's like, that's not how I designed your sexuality to go. And then the third one is injustice. And this is actually a big one. This is actually surprising to a lot of people that read the Bible. The majority of the message of the prophets is government systems and religious systems abusing their power to victimize other people. And over and over again, the prophets are saying, you are harming people and there is need for justice. And they're speaking not to their enemies' government system or their enemies' religious system, they're speaking to their own. Here's some examples of that. The prophet Amos said, Come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan altars at Bethel. Don't go to the shrines at Gilgal or Beersheba. It is the Lord who created the stars, the Pylades and Orion. Let's stop here for a moment. The prophet is, is voicing God's words, and the prophet says, it's the Lord who created the stars. Why would the prophet have to clarify it's the Lord who created the stars? Because the people in that day started worshiping the stars. They were getting into astrology, and it was like the moon and the stars and the constellations were so important to them, and the prophet's like, wait, you're missing the fact God made the stars. We human beings, we have a tendency to worship the things the Creator has made rather than worshiping the Creator. Amos later talks about immorality, but right after he talks about this idolatry, he shifts right into injustice. Look what he says. He says, you trample the poor. You steal their grain through taxes and unfair rent. You oppress good people by taking bribes, and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Do what is good. Run from evil so that you may live. Prophet Joel says this. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Back in this day and even in places today, there's a symbolic ritual of tearing a piece of fabric on your clothing when you are grieving or when you are trying to repent of sin. 
And what they were doing in that day is they were tearing the garment. Oh, I'm repenting of my sin. But their heart hasn't changed. We human beings, we have a tendency to do religious things on the outside, but not change our hearts. I'm going to start talking like a prophet right now, okay, if it hasn't been happening already. This is what we do. We, go, we get a Bible, we read the Bible, and we go, man, I got this good thing out of the Bible, and then we don't change. We don't actually live according to it. We show up to church, we check the box, I went to church, then we go back and we keep doing wrong things. Say, God, thank you for blessing me with my money, but then we're not generous. Thank you, Lord, for treating me so well, but then we don't treat our employees well. Right? We tend to do the religious, we sing the song, but we actually don't believe the lyrics. God's like, don't, I don't want you just doing the religious thing if your heart is not changing. And the reason the prophet said that is because we don't know how much time we have left. We got to make these changes now. I was doing a funeral just this weekend. And that was the, the, the feel of the entire room. It was, a, it was a woman that died younger than anybody had ever expected. And everybody in the room was gripped with this, this feeling like, you know what? I could go tomorrow. Let me get my life together. We are not promised a tomorrow. That's the message of the prophets. In fact, this is what Isaiah said. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. There's that urgency. It's like, look, we have things in our life that are wrong. We have things we're doing we shouldn't be doing. We have things that we should be doing that we're not doing. We have thoughts and behaviors and practices in our hearts that are self-destructive. And God is like, you need to turn that around. Come back to me and live because time is short. Some of you might be like, dang, that's some heavy words from the prophet. Can we jump into the New Testament and spend some more time with Jesus? Because Jesus seems to be the one that we want to listen to, and he might have a little bit of a different vibe. Well, let's look at Jesus' first sermon. Here's what Jesus said. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. That's Jesus talking now. He's like, now is the time. Here's an action step for us. Take a practical step to turn from sin in your life. Look, there is, there's something in every one of our lives that maybe we're holding with a clenched fist. Maybe it's something you're intentionally doing. Maybe it's just a layover of some woundedness in your past that you're hanging on to. Let's just look at the list that the prophets go through. Is there something in your life that is more important than God? Maybe it's your career your money, your ego, your pride. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's your politics. There's something in each one of our lives that competes for the top seat. That needs to be removed. That needs to be addressed. How can you start today? How can you say, you know, God, I just need to admit, first of all, that I put this in front of you. And I need to turn. Immorality. Is there a way that you are expressing your body's desires that it might feel good, but it's not actually good for you? God's like, that is not how I designed your body. 
I didn't design you to express yourself in that way. I have something better. What would it be like to say, God, you know what? I am putting this relationship before you. God, I am putting my desires before you. I am putting pleasure before you. Can you help me turn this around? And maybe it's injustice. Maybe you don't treat people fairly. Maybe you treat people fairly, you think you do, but also when you hear the cries of people in the culture that want justice, you go, what are they complaining about? Things are fine. Maybe you diminish the calls for social justice and you get protective and defensive, which is exactly what the religious leaders and political leaders were doing back in Jesus' day and back in the days of the prophets, and the prophets were calling them on it. We're going to talk in the fall about the importance of the proper use of power in our lives. Remember, repent, Here's the third message in the genre of prophecy. Ready yourself for God's future. There are predictive elements in prophecy, but it's only about 1% in the Bible. It's very small. And most of the predictions took place within the lifetime of the prophet that made it. And that was really important because there was a law in Old Testament Judaism that if you say, thus saith the Lord, and this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen, you were killed because you're a false prophet. I think if that law was in place, a lot less people would be saying, here, this was going to happen. So it was very, you're not supposed to speak for God when God doesn't say it. There are predictive elements, and when you look in the Bible in prophecy, there's like these visionary statements where I see the world this way, or I saw a vision of the future, and it looked like this, and it usually has like, symbols and and, and like lions and lambs or it has symbolic numbers Um, and there's these kind of dramatic images. Here's some examples of these images. The uh, prophet Isaiah said, the Lord will mediate between nations. One day the Lord will mediate between nations. He'll settle international disputes. Lord, please, we need this. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Isn't that beautiful? Don't we need that? Oh, my gosh. This Bible verse, this prophecy is actually engraved on a statue that was gifted to the UN years ago. Here's a picture of that statue. And it's a picture of somebody hammering their sword into a farming instrument. And the idea was, here's this statue, here's this Bible verse, uh, UN, let's let's get in line with what God wants to do for the future. Let's start moving in this direction. Here's another beautiful picture of the future from the prophet Jeremiah. It says, when the time comes, they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. Jeremiah envisioned a future where evangelism isn't necessary. You know, you say, hey, do you know about Jesus? Well, of course I know about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus. We all know about Jesus, and we all love Jesus, you know? Just this beautiful picture. Now, some of those visionary pictures of the future were, are not all that pleasant. These are some positive ones. Let's look at one that, that's a little bit more looming And that comes from Jesus himself. Jesus was talking about the end of the world, and he describes himself as the Son of Man. And this is what he says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, 
Then he'll sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered into his presence, and he'll separate people as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. What Jesus is saying here is, Jesus is saying, the first time I came, I came to save the world. When I come again, I'm coming to judge it. Be on the right side of history. Be on the side with me. So here's an action step for us from these, this genre of prophecy. What's one way that you can get ready for God's glorious future? Maybe it's repenting. Maybe it's reading and repenting to just say, hey, I need to get my life in line with God. But it could also be that you have a vision and a hope for the future that is based on God's love and God's hope. A lot of the prophecy, even in the negative stuff, is really directed toward hope. I think sometimes religious people and Christians, sometimes we start thinking about the future and it's all negative. We're always looking around for the negative stuff. But I think if you read the genre of prophecy properly and you read what Jesus says about the future, that you become an agent of hope. Your message is not, oh, look at all these terrible things happen. Here comes the end of the world. It's like, hey, history's moving in a way where God's going to do amazing things. I'd like to invite you to become part of that. Could we talk? What would it look like to be a person of hope in a world of darkness? Now, before I wrap up, let me address one question that I get when I talk about the genre of prophecy or when people read prophecy. Here's the question. Do we have prophets today like the ones in the Old Testament? I say I don't think so. A couple of reasons. One, the prophets in the Old Testament were often raised up to be national spokespeople for God for the nation. It's like here's the nation of God's people and then here's an official representative from God Almighty to tell the nation what to do. The reason I don't think we have that today is because the people of God have no nation. There is no Christian country. Christians don't have a country. Christians are in every people, tribe, nation, political background. They're all over the world. We don't have a country. So there's no national representative. Be very careful when somebody says, I am the prophet speaking to the nation. It's often infused with politics in a way that is usually not healthy. Somebody, you know, there was a disaster that happened years ago, and somebody said, oh, I heard this, this pastor get up, and he said, here's why it happened. Here's why the disaster happened. Do you think that's true? And I was like, well, I don't know why it happened. We don't have an official prophet to tell us. Because God used to work that way, but after the coming of Jesus, things changed. In fact, we have a letter in the New Testament written to Jewish Christians living in the first century who were asking this kind of question. And here's how that letter starts. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. Do we have a prophet? Yes, his name is Jesus. And we should go back and remember what he said. And when we pray, Jesus, when we pray, Holy Spirit, what should we do? How should we live? The Holy Spirit says, go back and read what Jesus says. 
And then we should repent, and we should start doing what Jesus said, and that moves us to the glorious future that we're wanting. Now, that being said, I think there are prophecy people. Um, some of you are prophecy people in the fact that you, you love prophecy. When you talk, you talk with dramatic language and you see numbers and symbols and things. You have dreams and you're like, God's speaking. And, and I do think God speaks in and through people. And, and I do think there's a supernatural element to our relationship with God. So some of you are just prophecy people by personality, you know, and that's great. I'll be a little snarky. There are some times where people come and say, you know, oh, I've got a message for you. And, and they're kind of a prophecy person. And I'm like, I already know the message. It's remember, repent, or, you know, get ready for the future. Jesus is coming. I already got that. But there are times where God speaks in and through us, and we go, I, I feel like I'm supposed to say something. Or I feel like I have a, a message from God for us or for someone. I think God actually works that way. And maybe you've felt that, or maybe you've been a recipient of that. Let me speak to that for just a moment. If you are one of those people that has occasionally or regularly gets a sense of like, ah, I feel like I'm hearing from God, and I need to tell this person or these people, here's my first piece of advice. Don't be weird. Just, you know, like like Christians are weird. Like they're like... I was praying the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be weird about it, okay? If you sense God is telling you something, first pray whether or not it's for you only. Because there are times where he's like, man, I got this insight. And God's like, yeah, that, I wanted to tell you that. Oh, other people need to hear that. And God's like, no, actually, I just told that for you. But if you feel like it's for someone else, then here's the, here's the recommended approach. And I've had people do this, and, and it, it's wonderful. They just say, hey, I was thinking about you the other day, or I had this thought, or I was reading something, and you came to my mind, and here's what I was thinking, or this word popped in, or this idea. I wanted to share it with you. Here it is. If it applies, great. If it doesn't, just discard it. Because it's, if it's from God, it's going to be received. You don't, have to, you don't have to attach Jesus' name to it. And so you just share it, and then you trust the person to receive it. Now, if you're on the receiving end of that, I want to recommend that you just receive it. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I was thinking about you. This came up. This word came up. This idea came up. Hey, I had this picture of you in my head, and this is what it was. Take it. Say, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And then take it back pray about it, see if it lines up with the Bible, and then ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do with this? In fact, that's kind of what we do every week in, in our preaching. We're like, hey, I read this, I thought of this, God's leading us to share this. I feel like this is something we want you to know, and then you go, okay, and then rather than going, I know somebody else that should really be hearing this, or I didn't like those pants, 
or I don't know about the music, whatever. Instead of all that stuff, you just say, okay, I heard this. Let me make sure it lines up with the Bible. And then God, what do you want me to do with this? See, because God wants to transform our lives and God's continually speaking truth into our lives. He speaks truth by helping us remember what he said, helping us to turn our lives so that we're living from a place of truth. And sometimes he'll speak in and through people that are close to us and that we hear truth from them. And that's another expression of prophecy. Here's what we talked about today. Through the lens of biblical prophecy, we can see God's vision for the world. Again, three things. Remember what God has said. Repent of your sins. Ready yourself for God's future. Whenever you read the Bible genre of prophecy, this is what God is saying. Big picture. Don't get buried in the details. Keep it up at this level. God is speaking truth Let's live in that truth because that's what's going to point us in the right direction. 